2023 is upon us. It's time for some pro-life New Year's resolutions. Tune in. Hi, folks. My name is Cam. I am the host of the Pro-Life Guys podcast, an initiative of CCBR working to equip you with the tools that you need to have compelling and compassionate conversations about abortion so that together we can change minds, save lives, and transform our culture. And last year, we did another New Year's resolution um, episode where I talked all about trying to maximize the number of conversations that we're having. I had talked about myself having 500 conversations, which I found out to be an absurdly high number. Um, and and I missed that goal by a, by a very long ways, um, unfortunately. And I, I'm working to have more conversations. Last year, it was all about having the courage to go out and engage people in conversations about abortion, equipping you with the tools that you need to get started and get out there. And in this year's episode, I want to focus more so on how to have better conversations about abortion, because many of you are already having conversations, whether with your friends and family members, whether with members of your community, because of a local outreach group or other pro-life initiative, many of you are CSPR volunteers, alumni, intern staff, whoever it may be. Um, and I am honored to have you along for the ride. And for the first episode of 2023, I'm going to be chatting with my good friend and colleague, Quana Casamayor. She is the Calgary Volunteer um, Outreach Coordinator. I am thrilled to be able to work with her on a daily basis and all the amazing work that she's doing, not only with our Calgary volunteers here, but also setting volunteer outreach policy for a lot of our operations across Canada. She manages our online action team, and she's implemented a ton of really cool strategies that help volunteers to know their progress, to get better at having really good conversations and know that they're getting better. For a long time, we had a hard time in CSPR. You get an initial um, workshop and then you join for debrief. And for a lot of volunteers, they didn't really feel like they were improving in their conversations after they gained entry-level competency. Now our volunteers are getting better and better because we have personalized training and mentorship for each of them. It's a really exciting time to be a volunteer with CSPR. And so I'm thrilled to have her join us. Um, Quana Casamayor, our Calgary Volunteer Outreach Coordinator. Without further ado, here she is. All right, Quiana, thanks so much for taking the time to join the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to be on the show with you again, Cam. Good, good, good. For many people who are new to the show, you might be new to Quana. I mentioned her in the intro there. For those of you who have been longtime listeners, Quana um, has been featured before on Humans of the Pro-Life Movement, which is super cool. Um, and Quana, this is all about looking into 2023. This is our New Year's resolution style episode as to what kind of goals do we want to set for 2023. But before we dive into that, I just wondered if you could give me a quick kind of reflection on 2022 from your vantage point. Um, yeah, what goes through your mind when you think of 2022? Yeah, I uh, 2022 was a, a busy year full of lots of really great stuff, though. It was great to get out to Vancouver in the beginning of the year and hang out with um, our staff and volunteers out there um, and got to head over to the Winnipeg Initiative in the fall as well. So both of those trips were highlights for sure. Um, and the volunteer team was really active this year, got to work with a bunch of them um, here in Calgary and starting up stuff in Lethbridge more formally as well. Um, yeah, and got to be more part of the internship this year 
um, with combining the schedules of our volunteers and interns. So that was awesome too, to build those relationships and get to see big teams out on the street every day. So those were some highlights for me. Love it. 22, uh, 2022 was a super cool year. And and for all of those reasons that you mentioned, that the growth is so evident. Obviously, it, it was difficult to know exactly how things were going to return to the quote unquote new normal after the pandemic and whatnot. But like you said, there's so many cool things happening. And as I mentioned off the top in the introduction, 2022, my New Year's resolution was just to have conversations. Um, but this year, I want to focus more on how to have good conversations and better conversations and more effective conversations. Quana, you and I, um, and, and largely yourself actually, have been tracking the progress of conversational outcomes and whatnot. And while it's not quite a perfect system quite yet, we're still working on that, it was really cool to, to gauge how based on just under 4,000 conversations tracked in Western Canada um, of the people who were willing to stop and talk with us at Choice Chain or door knocking or whatever it may be, 25% of them became fully pro-life within the span of a conversation. And over 50% of the people we talked to moved significantly either fully pro-life or towards the pro-life worldview, which is so cool. And I'm sure that for some of the people in the audience, um, that seems like a bit of a far off goal. Maybe, maybe the maybe audience members have been tuning in for a long time and, and having a lot of stuff bounce around in the back of their mind. Let's you and me go through five different kind of tools and opportunities that I think can really help people better optimize the conversations um, that they're having about abortion. And the first one that I'd love to dive into, because you've really been the coordinator of this, not just with all of the activism contacts that we're drawing while during doing our internship um, and meeting people at street corners and doorsteps, but you have really been the leader in the one-on-one -on -one training realm, where it's not, not a, a massive classroom full of a dozen or, or a couple dozen people and people not necessarily being able to have all of their questions answered out of respect for the other attendees and that kind of thing. You've really been um, diving in um, full-blown in, into the one-on-one -on -one trainings, which has been really, really cool. And I wonder, first of all, if you could tell me a little bit about how these one-on-one -on -one trainings often unfold and maybe a, a benefit of being able to do it in a one-on-one -on -one capacity, whether virtually or in person, versus kind of a large group setting of apologetics workshops. This isn't to obviously talk down to our, our crash courses and other events, but rather, what are the, the pros of being able to do it in a, a smaller capacity, I suppose? Yeah, <clears throat> I'd say that um, the there's a lot of benefits to it. So one would just be the flexibility of it, right? If we're doing an event and having to coordinate with a lot of people's schedules, um, there's just less flexibility of what time works for you. And so being able to offer it to people who may not be able to join us for one of our scheduled events um, and be able to tailor that to their schedule of when, obviously when we're available, when they're available, and just getting those two to align. Um, other benefits is exactly as you mentioned, like the tailor made, our apologetics are the same for each person but I can answer the questions that they have specifically. Um, and we can talk afterwards about what involvement for each of them particularly looks like. So that's a really cool opportunity. Um, we do our workshops in two different formats. So we do them in person, which is always great to go and grab a coffee with someone and um, just get to know them a little bit as we also work through this stuff. We offer those currently in Vancouver and Calgary. 
and we're looking to get in-person workshops up and going in Winnipeg as well. Um, and then the other option is to do it online because we have modern technology that allows us to, to connect even if we're in different places or in different time zones. And that gives us a lot of freedom to facilitate more of an open schedule. Um, I've had trainings with people in Vancouver. Kateri's done some for us here in Calgary, even though she is out in Vancouver. Um, and so just that cross of staff being able to provide it at, at the most, um, most available times for the person that we're talking to. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I'm thrilled with the fact that we're able to do this much more for for the exact reasons that you mentioned, right? That that we're at, at times in the past we've been people have expressed interest in doing a workshop, and then they have to wait six weeks because they're not able to attend the the next workshop coming based on location or timing or whatever, and so. There's a lot of people who have a genuine desire to get trained, but don't end up getting trained or some of that passion has cooled because there's such a delay between interest expressed and um, the training actually delivered. And then, like you said, it, it allows for a much more personalized workshop where I, I know this is going to sound a little bit crude, but I think of sometimes when I'm giving crash courses, I'm kind of playing to the lowest common denominator, right? That, that I'm anticipating, okay, there's going to be at least somebody here who's going to really struggle with the concept of common ground knowledge question. And there's going to be somebody who really struggles with the area of the human rights argument and really struggles with these other areas. And so I'm going to end up expanding really in depth for each of them. And so not only does that mean that those that aren't struggling with those areas kind of have to, um, by their time while they're waiting for the area that they are most interested in or most confused by to get addressed, but it also makes for a much longer presentation, right? I mean, often when I'm doing foundational apologetics um, in a, a group capacity, these workshops are minimum 90 minutes, if not two hours, whereas often the workshops that, that you're doing in a one-on-one -on -one capacity are often much closer to the one hour mark because you're able to gauge how well people are taking up different bits of information. If they're really getting the common ground analogy question, then you can pivot into, um, the next item rather than belaboring the point that may not necessarily need to. And so I, I'm thrilled with the fact that we're able to do a lot of these one-on-one -on -one and personalized workshops. But flowing from there, often what we found is that um, for, I mean, for so long, we used to do these like three-hour workshops where we'd give content for the first hour, uh, hour and a half or two hours. And we do mock dialogue for the next like 60 to 90 minutes. And people's brains are just like a entirely fatigued by the end of it that they're struggling to remember their name let alone the arguments that we're presenting through such a a long mock dialogue session and so again we've kind of um streamlined this process a little bit to try to benefit um new volunteers and new members and even ongoing volunteers with ongoing mock dialogue and i was wondering if you could share a little bit about this number two component that can allow people to have better conversations and get more practice in without being entirely fatigued at the end of an, an apologetics workshop yeah so our mock dialogue sessions i think are really cool for a couple of reasons so one exactly as you said that it's a lot to take in with the initial workshop and it's just a really big time commitment if you're trying to do both of those things together and so allowing people to practice a little bit as we go, but then take those things home and kind of think on them a little bit and allow them to solidify in their mind and then bringing them back to actually practice through some of those things. 
Um, and usually most people are still starting piece by piece and then we put that together. So it's not that they have to come back perfectly ready to have the whole conversation from start to finish. It's also really cool, I think, in the same way as it's better to do a, a one-on-one workshop for the tailor-made aspect of it. Um, it's also cool to do mock dialogue in a group because they have the opportunity to hear someone who's maybe a bit more advanced than them go through and they're like, oh, that's that's what I'm trying to get to. Um, they're also going to have other people that are at the same spot as them. And so they have that encouragement of doing it as a team. And I think that's one of the benefits of getting everybody together. It's also easier for our schedules to manage of like running um, one call a week as opposed to multiple calls during the week. Um, and so, yeah, we have have people come on there who have just done a workshop. It also is a great opportunity for those who are volunteering, are involved in other ways and maybe have had their workshop months ago, maybe even years ago, and just want to come on and, and practice the current things that they're working through. And so we get people of all different skill levels on um, and kind of work together to go through the conversations. So cool. So I, I I think it's fantastic that we're able to do all of this preparation work for getting out to activism. The third one here, Quana, is a little bit of a funny one in that I didn't know if I was going to include this at all, but I feel like to call a spade a spade, at times this is a little bit of a problem that we encounter at activism in that we often, unfortunately, at CSBR, advertise activism as like a one-hour time slot that, that you can um, wedge into your day when really we're hoping that people are going to get there 15 minutes early and get the kind of preliminary notes on what we're, what we're doing and anything that they need to be aware of, and then stick around for what we call a debrief, which is 10, 15 30 minutes afterwards to unpack stuff. And I feel like at times people have either because they've misunderstood how long we're actually wanting them to be there for, or because they don't understand or, or know the value of debrief, often don't build debrief into their plans. So I'm wondering, as kind of the next step into applying the, the training and the practice that we've done, um, maybe speak a little bit to the value of debrief and, and what actually happens during a debrief. So debrief is basically our conversation after the conversations that we have with pro-lifers and pro-choicers on the street, where we come together as a team and we just talk about the good conversations, about the difficult conversations. And that becomes a really great way to build community that you actually get to know the people that you're doing outreach with um, and they get to hear, yeah, just how that shift went for you and vice versa. Um, and it also is one of the best tools that we have for ongoing training. So that's where I'll bring up some of the arguments that we didn't um, necessarily have the time or the person didn't have the experience to cover in that initial workshop. And we'll start working through some of those kind of 201 arguments. Um, it also is a great chance just for questions back and forth, because as you have conversations, things are going to come up that you're like, oh, I don't know how I would respond to that, even if if you're like, I'm sure it fits into this model that, that I learned at the beginning. And so it's a great opportunity for staff and even some of the experienced volunteers as well to just share um, what has worked well for them and really to encourage the people that are in activism to keep going, to keep having better conversations and really to even start evaluating their own conversations because I think that's one of the best ways for us to improve 
um, is like those mini debrief sessions that we have with ourselves and kind of go over what would I have said if I had five more minutes or um, could I have said that in a more concise, more clear way. So yeah, debrief both builds community um, and it's one of our best tools for ongoing training. Um, and really it's just a good way to wind down after a shift, after a lot of hard conversations to just have a, a bit of time to process that before jumping into the next thing that you have on your schedule. Absolutely. We, we often talk about in, in those initial workshops about kind of the, the character, knowledge, and wisdom components of pro-life outreach and how characters, how we're approaching every interaction with, with respect for the person we're talking to, the knowledge component of, of kind of learning everything that all, all the arrows that should be in our quiver, as it were. And then the wisdom is kind of like what to use when. And I feel like, yeah, the debrief is so valuable for cultivating wisdom in understanding, okay, here's what I said. I'm curious as to what the rest of you would have said in that scenario. Oh, you would have used that tool rather than the tool that I used right then. Or you would have said this a little bit differently, or, or that's where you really gain, like you said, that 201 experience I've mastered, or I'm, I'm working to master the fundamentals. And how do I frame this? How do I adjust the language for the person I'm talking to? All that kind of stuff that, that you can gain through debrief that that, that doesn't make sense at all to give in an initial training. Like, sure, we, we could talk um, till the cows come home about, well, theoretically, if this happened, then maybe you say this. And theoretically, if if they have pink hair and if they have this and if they say <laughs> that and if they have this kind of accent and blah, 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 uh, we can go on and on forever. But at some point, you got to get your boots on the ground and then the on the ground training. We're not going to uh, throw you to the wolves and not have any tools to work with. But the people that we're interacting with, um, you you need to learn through that debrief, and so that that's phenomenal. The fourth one here might sound a little bit um, unorthodox, but I think that it's becoming a more and more valuable area for people to get involved. And that's our online action team, Quina, that you have been um, facilitating. Uh, you've spoken about it before already on how to have good conversations online. Um, your sister actually um, joined over a year ago now. I want to say about um, being an online activist as well. And I want to bring this up as our fourth of five points, because for some of you listening, doing on the ground outreach might be really challenging or outright impossible with where you're at in your season of life or even geographically, right? That that maybe you're not in a location in which conversational outreach is conducive. Maybe your your job or your vocation or your family or whatever might make it really difficult to join a team of CSPR volunteers um, for Choice Chain or door knocking or something like that. Maybe if, if you could, um, again, kind of expand upon the, the opportunity that online outreach provides to people who might not be able to be as active on street corners and on doorsteps as they would like to be, but how this can keep them not only contributing in a meaningful way, but also improving in their conversational um, competency again through online engagement. So our online team um, goes through a similar training process as the in-person um, team in that we do that same initial apologetics workshop and talk through the, the general things that you need to know to have a good conversation. But then we actually add an extra step of talking through how to adapt that for online use. Um, and there are, are some simple principles that make it a lot easier of just knowing how to yeah, how to approach a different forum with the same conversation. Because the conversations that we want to have are happening online. People are talking about abortion. They're talking about 
the difficult situations that would push someone towards choosing abortion. And so we want to be present in those conversations as well as the ones that are happening in person. And a lot of the same tools are going to help us to navigate those well. And so if if you are interested in having those conversations, I would still really encourage people to access the training we have in the same way as I wouldn't want someone to just jump on on the van wagon and, and jump out um, to volunteer before they've had the training that they need um, because I want to set them up for success. And so our online team allows us to do that of giving the same training for those who are engaging in the online realm as those who are engaging in person. And yeah, it allows a ton of people who may not have been able to be involved otherwise. I think about one of our amazing online volunteers, um, Ermgard, and she's in the Netherlands, um, but has a, a huge passion for being involved in the pro-life movement and has been connected by CCPR. And so she's actually on our online team and doing a ton of great work in responding to comments, in um, instigating conversations in different ways. And so people who may not even be in the same country as us, but also people who may be in a small town or out in the countryside, um, or maybe for health reasons or family reasons, as you mentioned, not be able to join in a bigger center. The other thing that is really cool is that several of our in-person volunteers are doing online activism as well. And something that I've found from doing that myself, but also that they're finding is that the online interactions actually make them better advocates on the street as well, because it challenges them to be more concise, to be more clear, um, to build common ground, even when you can't use facial expression or the tone of your voice can't be heard. And so it's been a really cool training opportunity for them in that way as well. Um, Also in the aspect that when you do team activism, you got to align those schedules. And so as much as we try to put out a lot of different times so that everybody is able to join at one time or another, um, it can be difficult for some people to rearrange their schedules as often as they would like to. And so some of those in-person volunteers are also like, you know, I can just jump on online if you guys are available at a time that I am free and still be engaging on this topic two to three times a week or or maybe even more than that. Um and building the skill at the same time. Beauty. And and it, it is so cool to see so many, like you said, of our, our volunteer and uh, intern alumni be able to take this on in, in changing seasons of life. But And like you mentioned, that, that even those who are out at times, even doing activism regularly, multiple times per week, I, I believe that even over this summer, we had a couple of our interns who were out doing activism all day. Um, join at times for online conversations. Like you said, they are different kinds of conversations. It's a different medium of engagement. Therefore, it does require a little bit of um, different training. And so just as we're not necessarily going to endorse somebody to just buy their own choice change sign and start activism in their own area that's entirely different socially. If, If you live in like Moscow or something, there's going to need to be some conversations about um, methods of engagement. Similarly, for online engagement, I would really recommend um, joining Kwana with the online action team um, because of the the special training that goes into online engagement, as well as the community and 
my fifth and final point, and Quina, this is something again that you have piloted and has borne incredible fruit, not only anecdotally, but even statistically in the conversational outcomes that some of our volunteers are witnessing, many of our volunteers are witnessing, and that's quarterly meetings. And this is a bit of a, I feel like this can be taken a few different ways. So one, if you are listening and you are a community group leader, if you're a leader of a pro-life group, if you are somebody who is coordinating volunteers, this is kind of an encouragement to consider implementing this strategy of quarterly meetings. If you're a volunteer and your, your local leader isn't necessarily capable of providing quarterly meetings, then what I'm going to say, Quina, and I know I'm throwing this on you um, last minute, and so I, I promise I won't say that Quina will do quarterly meetings for everybody, but I know that you are doing some quarterly meetings for some of the members of the online action team. And so if your local leader's not in a position to offer quarterly training, then extra plug for the online action team. You know what, if you join the online action team and are, are doing some conversations online and Quina is able or one of our other team uh, members is able to do some quarterly meetings, I'll bet you if in those quarterly meetings you ask her about a few of your on the ground conversation challenges or struggles or whatever, I'm sure that Quina will answer them as well. Uh, but maybe talk a little bit as we kind of wind up here, Quina, in the fifth and final component for how to better optimize um, conversations, what your experience as somebody who is leading these quarterly meetings, what is, what is the benefit of having this kind of ongoing conversation with our volunteers and, and the value that not only a leader could find in facilitating these for their own team, but also what a, a participant, why somebody should join the online action team and try to be able to get quarterly meetings from either yourself or one of our other team members. What is the value of these quarterly meetings? Uh, I would again say that that there are two different values. So the first one is community. Again, um, I love doing the quarterly meetings because it gives me a chance to be one-on-one -on -one with that volunteer and just get to know who they are um, outside of just the conversations they're having as well. And so it gives me a touch point to just kind of hear what's going on in their lives, what they're up to. Um, and at the same time, we have the opportunity to go through some of the things that have been coming up in activism. Um, everything from from the schedule of like how that's working as we were just talking about making sure that everybody is able to join and isn't hindered because of times or other commitments. Um, but also to actually unpack like what feels like it's going well in your conversations, what feels like it's really difficult and try and uncover some of the issues or some of um, the additional training that would be able to help unpack those things more. And so it's a, a great opportunity for me to get, direct them to other resources too. A, a lot of my volunteers right now are reading books on, on the pro-life conversations. They're listening to the podcast. And so it's an opportunity for me to help them connect to even more training if that's something that they're needing and also to, to practice with them as well. We do some mock dialogue in those quarterly meetings too. Um, so kind of a, a range of training opportunities, but it's a really an intentional time to unpack where you're at in, in the conversations you're having and what would help to make you a better, better advocate for pre-born children, because that's obviously the purpose of what all of us are trying to do. Love it. There we are, folks. Five tools that you can take advantage of to better optimize your competency and ability in having conversation. Number one, 
line up a one-on-one training workshop, whether you've been trained before, but it was years ago, whether you've never received CCPR training before, line up a one-on-one training. Number two, join us for regular mock dialogue um, so that you can not only have your own conversations with pro-lifers in kind of a safe and stable environment, but also listen to those um, from other participants. Number three, stick around for debrief, Um, hear the feedback from other people, listen to how other people's conversations went and gain some insight into how your conversations can be improved. Number four, join our online action team so that you're having conversations in varying um, platforms and mediums and as regularly as you possibly can. And number five, if at all possible, as a leader, um, facilitate one-on-one development style meetings, whether it happens quarterly, whether it's annually, whether it's weekly, depending on your your capacity and team size and all that kind of thing. Um, these are five ways that we can improve the quality of our conversations. Um, and I will shamelessly plug a sixth way, tune into the podcast. We're going to have a bunch of really cool um, episodes and conversations coming up that can help supplement um, some deep dives into different topics. And so, Quina, thanks so much for joining. Thanks for all of the work that you're doing with the Calgary volunteer team and so many people throughout Western Canada, around the world, ultimately, with the online action team and all of the trainings and everything that you're doing. Thanks a ton for everything. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right, folks, that's my conversation with Quana. She's an absolute gem. I'm so glad that she's part of our Calgary and organizational team. She is a, a tremendous addition to Canada and the global pro-life movement. And I hope that her leadership can influence and support um, pro-life leaders across the country and around the world as they seek to better support their volunteers so that they can feel not only better about the outreach that they're doing, but also have a higher degree of competency and ability when they're engaging folks on the issue of abortion. So thrilled to have her as a part of the team. If you want to get plugged in, if you want to receive a one-on-one training workshop so that you can get all of your um, personal questions answered and all that kind of stuff, if you want to get plugged in with our mock dialogue team um, or online action team, I have dropped um, the podcast email in the link below, in the description below, and I will forward all of you on to my colleague, Kwayana. Um that way, the the bots that are are out there on um, the internet and will inevitably spam my inbox as soon as they can find my email elsewhere, they'll all come to me and not go to Kwana. And so you'll get plugged in that way. She's a gem. Look forward to getting in touch with her and the rest of the outreach team that does those trainings and and kind of facilitates that mock dialogue. So thanks a ton. I hope that you had a beautiful and wonderful and restful um, Christmas season, and I hope that you're as excited to launch into 2023 as I am. Thanks a ton, and may the Lord bless you abundantly wherever you're at, however many hours are left in your day. Hope to talk to you again next week. (laughs) 